welcome to For All Mumkind, the podcast, a podcast by mums for mums. My name is Pamela and in each week I sit down and chat to a mum about motherhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is author of The Plan, she's a dietitian and a well-known face from Operation Transformation. Mum to Dylan, Alva and Zoe, it's Eva Hearn. Hello! Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm great, thank you. So Eva, you began your family at 34. Yeah, you know better than I, I think. <laughs> and you are an only child, so you I am. knew you wanted a couple of kids. Yes, I de- and I, I think we, but we knew we wanted definitely more than one, I think was our okay. agreement. Yeah, yeah. And what what was that that kind of sparked that? Was it that you? I mean, I I mean, I, I don't really have any like downside of being an only child, I suppose. Like I really had a great life. And I think maybe if I had more siblings, I wouldn't have had the opportunities I had. Um, but at the same time, I, I suppose there is a part of me that maybe missed that bigger family. Like I was always drawn to bigger families and the fun of that. So I guess I just felt, you know, something different. My parents needed more than one grandchild. (laughs) (laughs) And how many is in your husband's family? Uh, He has two brothers and a sister. Okay, so he's got it. It's a good size. Yeah. 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 Um, And then with each of your pregnancies, you had, you didn't have a very easy time. Oh God, really? Um... I don't know I if I'd look at it that way, but definitely there were different parts of yeah. each pregnancy that maybe made it a bit challenging and as the babies were all small, yeah. You had nausea for one. Dylan. Dylan. And then did you have SPD? So yeah, I had SPD during Dylan's pregnancy and I literally was walking around like an old woman towards the end. But you know what? It was my first pregnancy and I kind of didn't know any different. Like yeah. I had this deluded idea that I was going to be running right up until I had get, went, in, went into labour. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't reality. Yeah. And it was maybe a little whisper of what was to come and that you're not always in control, you know? Yeah. And so maybe it was a time for me to step back and to revisit maybe how I felt about, you know, being in control of everything. And, you know, during pregnancy, your body kind of takes over and you have to appreciate that, don't you? So I had to listen to my body and I had to just stop running and exercising (laughs) for nearly five years. (laughs) I think one of the biggest things with pregnancy is realising that you really have very little control. Yeah, and I think like it's the first time maybe it's not just all about you. You know, and even as an only child, like I grew up, it was kind of all about me, you know, and my family and everything. So it was probably the first time I kind of had a a sense of that. And now I think like I I loved pregnancy and I enjoyed it. But it was like the SPD was definitely challenging, I would say, because it was very painful, you know. And um, and again, some women have it way worse. Like I wasn't on crutches or anything, but my normal life was definitely curtailed, I suppose, you know. And did that reoccur for the other two pregnancies? Well, I just didn't exercise, so it probably would (laughs) have So to be honest, like after I had Dylan, the SPD kind of pro- continued because I think the hormones when you're breastfeeding keep those ligaments loose. Yeah. So really, like if I went for a very fast walk or ran, like it, it was just painful. So I literally only this past uh, September did I start running again after like, well, maybe no, it was August after like five years almost. So it was kind right. of crazy. Yeah. 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 So, but it's good. And like for me running... When I was younger, I, I was a sprinter, so I did a lot of running and it really was my way of getting headspace. So I suppose I found that challenging when I couldn't do it. Yeah. But coming back to it now, and again now, it sounds like I'm running all the time. I may be getting a run a week, so it's nothing crazy. But it really, it really gives me some headspace and I really do enjoy kind of getting back to myself a little bit now, I think, you know. Yeah, and... With three kids, you, mm. I only have one, so I can Crazy. only imagine, I can only imagine <laughs> what three of them is, you must need headspace. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, 
suppose there was a long time where I was like working or looking after the kids and I wasn't really giving myself much time. And I think for my own mental health, that's not a good thing. So yeah. and maybe through like I all after my first pregnancy, I knew I was getting pregnant again or I was going to try at least. And, and again, after Alva, the same thing. So I never had a huge drive to get back into that. Mm-hmm. It's only really now that I feel like I want that again, you know. So, you know, I think sometimes you have to just go with it, don't you? You know? Yeah. And so after having Zoe, did you kind of know... We were done. We're all done now. Yes, yes, yeah. And even on the pregnancy, I felt that way. And I never could have anticipated feeling that way. A really good friend of mine that I was in college with said, you know, when when you're done, you just know it and you'll get that feeling. And I never understood what she meant until I was pregnant on Zoe. So, yeah, I had a little wobble like when she was a bit young, you want it again. But no, we are absolutely done and I'm very happy with with that. <laughs> and um, I think I was reading an article about you and you had talked about um, you know striving for perfection which I think you know pregnancy and postpartum we kind of do that and we put mm-hmm. too much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And you use the term good enough. Yes. It's what we should be aspiring to. Yeah absolutely. I, I think um, I love the researcher Brene Brown and I've, I have I don't have time for reading and I've been listening to a lot of her audiobooks now and you know she ta- talks about perfection as the 20 ton shield you know that it's just it's really trying to make us believe that everything is okay and not really connecting and being vulnerable I suppose with the people around us you know so I think that there was definitely a time where I felt like the kids had to sleep at a certain time and they had to do a certain thing and when they don't because they don't do as you want yeah. them to do that made me feel like I was a failure so that turned me into a crazy woman at times, you know. So yeah. I think I realised kind of quickly enough then that I can't impose this on myself because you have to just parent what's in front of you. And sometimes they don't do what the textbooks say. Actually, I don't know if they ever do what the textbooks say, you know. So I think um, I started to go a little bit easier on myself. But I think, you know, as a woman, maybe so many women feel you have to be perfect at everything do everything in you know crazy amount of time and and just be all things to all people and it's just not realistic and and I don't think that means that you're not a successful mother or whatever you know I think that's just the reality of it and sometimes um, that's sometimes hard to accept I think you know yeah oh definitely Um, there's definitely the moments where I've you know you have to say no to something or you Mm -hmm. know or you kind of go you have to let something slide because you're like look and that's hard. It's Even really hard. like organising this, I, I felt so bad rescheduling it twice, I think, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, I knew if if I had made myself do it, it would have put me under so much pressure. Absolutely. And that has a knock on effect on my family, you yeah. know. And like, I suppose so often people, especially during the show, may be, oh my God, like, how are you doing it all? I'm like, I'm not doing it all. Like, just because you see me in lovely makeup and lovely, my hair all done up, I have people doing that for me. And during the show, like, a lot of things slide at home and often it's my family that have to be sacrificed a little bit, you know. So that that's hard, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's life too, isn't it? When you want to work, you know, when you need to work financially, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. And when, after you had Alva, yeah. um, you found yourself in the GP office yeah. thinking that you'd postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. And I could totally empathise with you. I could, I could just imagine because you go through so much emotions, your hormones are everywhere. But actually it was an autoimmune disease that you had. Oh, sorry. I'm getting a little um, emotional. Um, so... When Alva was born, and she's all healthy, so I don't even know why I'm crying. Um, when she was born, um, she had posterior tongue tie. Yeah. That wasn't diagnosed. And she just didn't sleep. At now, all. No, not really. Looking back, it was absolutely crazy. Um, 
at seven months, finally, she got diagnosed and we went to Justin Roach and Clamel um, and he did the the tongue tie release which is yeah. such a minimal operation like yeah. it's it's procedures not even an operation um, and literally once she was diagnosed with it and it was treated my whole body crashed um, and I think I was just um, I was like going on adrenaline keeping it all going like we like it was the 4th of January that she was diagnosed and like we were just hitting into operation transformation season so things were just getting crazy and so I have an autoimmune condition, thyroid condition called Graves' disease and it just went mental and um, yeah, like I was in the endocrinologist's office and like said that my thyroid levels were toxic which is really, you know, kind of crazy and of course, like Alva was only seven months at the time and the solution then was to stop breastfeeding, which was not the solution I wanted. And I, yeah. I, I still feel quite frustrated that that was the only solution. Like I didn't pay 250 euro to go to an endocrinologist to stop breastfeeding, you know. I yeah. wanted her to come up with the solution. So I ended up going to four different endocrinologists until I got someone who would support my decision to continue breastfeeding and to manage um, the, my thyroid condition as best I could until, you know, I felt once I got her to 12 months, I was happy enough to wean her at that stage. Yeah. Um, which I did and then totally sorted out my thyroid. So I, I was kind of managed during that time, but like I lose a lot of weight during it. Um, I My hands get very shaky. Your heart is pumping, you get very hot. So it's it's a horrible condition, to be honest. And um, it took a few months for that to get sorted. And then, of course, in the back of my head was like, I want to get pregnant again. I can't get pregnant on the medication. And so there was a lot of pressure and time pressure, I think, in that. But that was a really, really, really hard time, I have to say. And, you know, it was just a challenge to keep everything going. Like myself, my husband weren't getting sleep. We still had to go to work. We had two kids to look after. Yeah. It was hard. And I suppose, you know, I feel if somebody had diagnosed her tongue tie on birth, which is what happened with Zoe, yeah. um, it would have been a different road and a different path, you know. But... Um, at the same time now, I suppose I can empathise better with people in that situation, yeah. you know. But it was really, really tough and probably a situation that didn't need to happen, you know. And I suppose my health was sacrificed as as well as our families, you know, so. Oh, completely. And when I read it, I, I kind of, you know, I completely felt for you because a friend of mine who's been on the podcast, Ashling, had a baby with a tongue tie that was undiagnosed mm-hmm. for, long, for I think it was about three or four months and she yeah. had an awful time. My own daughter, Alice, um, we had an awful time. Like, I was so adamant to breastfeed. Like, mm. it was just, mm. you know, there was no formula, no bottles in the house, nothing. And just weight loss and weight loss. So she lost about 25% of her okay. birth weight. Yeah. We got into, you know, it was very difficult and we ended up going to Justin Roach like yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. It was the most traumatic going up in the rain. We were there for hours. Amazing team. And it got yeah. released. Now, she, I think it was, she was about three weeks. She was very young. I had an mm-hmm. amazing lactation consultant that diagnosed it. But like the damage was done at that point. Yeah. And we were only trying. Like I catch remember up. it was catch up and it took us, I would say probably three months to wow. catch up. It was really tough. And we had to mm. introduce formula because yeah. the GP intervened and she was like, well, a 25% weight yeah. loss, you she know, that's like, quite significant. Yeah, you know, she was so, tiny. Yeah. Um, it's just, and it's really hard because I think we're, this week is National Breastfeeding Week. Yes, it is. It's great. And we're really trying as women mm-hmm. to breastfeed. Yeah. But yet I really feel that we're being set up to fail. Yeah. When something so small, like mm-hmm. a tongue tie can just be, 
like checked and lasered. Like, and I suppose like I know it's, it is frustrating and to be honest like the situation with Alva it still makes me a little angry because oh, I don't understand why the health service wasn't there to support us in yeah. something that actually is going to save them money in the long run you know it's so yeah. crazy but anyway like with Zoe then I knew she had tongue tied because I was really sore feeding. I wasn't sore okay. with Alpha. Um, and on discharge, I asked to be assessed for tongue tie and it was kind of dismissed like it wasn't this thing that exists. Yeah. And I was like, no, listen. And I was like, my last daughter, you know, and um, I don't even know why I insisted on diagnosis. I really knew myself. And so Zoe got lasered at four days old, which was a completely different journey, you know, um, so yeah. So, you know, I suppose, but I look back and I think on Zoe, if I had been a first time mother and I didn't know that tongue tie exists, I would be like, wow, this breastfeeding thing is really sore. I don't want to be sore, so I don't want to yeah. do this. You know what I mean? So um, I just think it's an easy thing that, you yeah. know, should every all the consultants on discharge should be trained to check yeah. and check accurately. But it's yeah. definitely not happening in Ireland. And it's one of many things that is causing providing more challenges to women and more barriers to breastfeed and when there really doesn't need to be you know so and as well I think we're sold as well oh breastfeeding is a really cheap thing to do but Mm -hmm. if your child has tongue tie you have to you know, going to public system and waiting is not yeah. really an option if you want to continue no. to breastfeed. No, that's absolutely true. And also, I'd nearly say, you know, my time is not free. So it, it isn't really a free thing, yeah. you know, like exactly. if we had to look at it that way. But absolutely, like in the public sec- system, I mean, I think the waiting list for tongue tie release is four months or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't do couldn't. that for four months. And no. why would you expect a woman to go through that when there yeah. is an easy solution? Like, I, I just think, again, I just think that... Um, when we look at supporting women to breastfeed, you know, and women who want to breastfeed, you know, we're not really giving them the support they want to breastfeed for as long as they wish to do and whatever is right for their family, you know. So yeah. I find that very frustrating because, you know, a lot of the research around it, in the UK at least, will say that the majority of women who stop feeding maybe before 12 months or something did so when they didn't want to and so you know we should be supporting women to do this for as long as the hell they want to do it you yeah. know and unfortunately maybe that's not happening it is getting better but it's yeah. it's not happening and um, that's yeah. kind of sad that makes me a little sad you know yeah and it's I kind of don't know where you know where could we introduce better support like is it in the hospitals that your lactation consultant comes and checks for it or um, at home do you, I, know? do you know what I think that a breastfeeding preparation class is essential I did one when yeah, I was pregnant and only for it I don't think I would have understood how it works and yeah. really I think we need to go way back like I think that um, definitely during pregnancy getting like information about you know if you have enough milk, you know, how to know that your baby's getting enough because that's the big concern, isn't it? You don't concern. have enough milk, which actually like only 2% of women don't have enough milk to feed their baby. Yeah. So that percentage is very low. But of course, if you don't understand how breastfeeding works, you don't understand its demand supply. You don't understand that the more the baby's at the breast and feeding, the more milk you're, you're making. If you don't understand those things, you just think the baby's hungry. So yeah. I think the education about how breastfeeding works is actually far more important than just being told breast is best, you know. Yeah. And even I think then in school, you know like my little boy Dylan just started school and in his SPSC or whatever that I mean imagine junior infants doing this geography or something all this wellness bit but like they have a picture of a baby and then they have all the things the baby needs and a bottle is one of them Yeah. and really the mother or the breast will be there Not you know so at a very young age as a child they're getting ingrained that babies need bottles and yeah. I mean 
I, I mean, I absolutely support any woman's choice if they choose to pre- if they choose to formally feed or battle feed. Like that's not it. But I think we have to understand the natural cycle is for a woman to breastfeed the baby. Like your body is expecting it, the baby is accepting it, expecting that to happen. And there are health consequences lifelong if we don't follow that life cycle. Yeah. Now and again, you know, you know, I was formula fed, like you can't change, you know, some things either. But, you know, I think yeah. I think supporting women, ed- educating women and supporting them and then on a societal level, because this is a societal choice. It's not an individual choice to me. You know, this is yeah. about creating a society that believes breastfeeding is important and supporting women in every aspect of life to allow that to happen and support her family to make that choice, you know. So, yeah. um Oh, it's it's hard. You know, I think sometimes I find it really challenging talking about breastfeeding because I think it can, you know, I think it can elicit just such emotional responses. And often women who haven't been able to do it for whatever reason feel very sad about that, I think, yeah. you know. Oh, um, and then sometimes people feel it's criticism on their parenting because they didn't choose that. And, and you know, I don't think it is. I think yeah. we should be celebrating parents in whatever they wish to do. But making informed choices to me yeah. is really important. And right now, you know, people who are making money out of people not breastfeeding are having a massive influence mm-hmm around infant feeding and that is not a positive thing I suppose you know yeah because after, like those first I suppose I'd almost go as far as three months and say I feel completely robbed yeah. you know so we combination fed yeah. like struggled on yeah, because I was so adamant but completely at an emotional level feel completely robbed of those blissful three months that I had envisaged of mm. just breastfeeding and everything so yeah I can totally see from you know from other mums that you know, you do create these scenarios when you're pregnant and you just presume everything's going to work. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose I had done a, that breastfeeding preparation course, so I had stuff in my mind. Yeah. And I think that's when I had a feeling, my instinct was, this isn't right. Yeah. And rang my lactation consultant yeah. and said, can you come to the house? And yeah. so I suppose no. it's having those supports and I've been able to ask someone yeah. for help. You know what I mean? And I suppose, again, like in the public sector, that's not happening. No. You know what I mean? Like people don't have access just to ring a lactation no. consultant. Many of the public health nurses are not even midwives now. So yeah. like there's huge, I mean, issues. But I suppose, you know really trying to um, support women and educating women too because I don't think the breast is best mantra is the best one <laughs> to be honest you know I think there are more positive things we could say and support you know rather yeah. than that very judgmental yeah. sometimes tagline that can be yeah that it can be kind of perceived as yeah um, then we talk about obviously you know an aspect of breastfeeding uh, one of the benefits is that it does help restore the body postpartum and mm-hmm. we there's so much pressure on women and this bouncing back yeah um, and like you said yourself like it took you like obviously you had the three kids but it, it took mm-hmm. you till now before you kind of mentally and physically were like actually I'm, I'm now in a headspace that I want yeah. to go back training or I want yeah. to go back running and you um, had referred to Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle as to great um, examples of mm-hmm. women coming out and just being normal. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm not sure the whole you know, I know women well, but I, I suppose uh, definitely you know that they're willing to show that they still yeah. had a bump two days postpartum I think is very positive. You yeah. know um, I think there is I mean, a, women, a woman's worth is so much more than having her abs back or, you know, that bumping yeah. gone. You know what I mean? And I suppose we really have to, you know, 
someone has to mother the mother, you know, during those first three months. And it's not about losing all that weight, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so much more going on, you know. And at the same time, I suppose as a dietitian, I see the importance of women getting back to pre-pregnancy weight before they get pregnant again. You know, from a public health perspective, that's something that's important. But I think this whole focus on, I mean, snapping back into shape is not yeah. realistic. And I think it's putting undue pressure on new mums, especially. And it's you know? very much aesthetic driven rather than health driven. Oh, yeah. I know, know, to fit back into your clothes. Seriously, it's the least of my worries in those first few months, you know. And as a dietitian, like what eating habits or, you know, would you suggest? Um, You know, I think setting a clock to remind yourself to eat is probably a good one. Or drink water, that's my downfall. And yeah, absolutely drinking enough water, having maybe a water, a a jug of water like on the kitchen counter so you don't forget. Um, Having a really good pizza cutter because you can cut anything with one hand with a pizza cutter and it really makes like a sandwich or healthier food an easy option rather than just grabbing a biscuit because the baby won't stop crying or you're feeding them all day long or whatever it may be, you know. Yeah. So um, I think having the house set up for success, maybe getting online shopping or, you know, you know, telling everyone else around you what you need, especially your own family, you know. Yeah. Like bringing brownies is maybe not what you need, you know. So tell them what you need. I think being very vocal about that. Yeah. And even, I mean, if you have the energy and the time on, like the last week or two of pregnancy it's a good time to maybe you know cook extra put them in the freezer have them ready you know to go but um, routine of eating and remembering to eat I think is a key one because often when we leave really large gaps between our eating by the time we're ready to eat we're starving so you nearly eat one meal as you're getting the other meal ready you know so trying to be organised and prepared is a key thing and and also a challenge you know but I think you have to go easy on yourself a little bit in the first few weeks too it's not about you know being very restrictive and even for women who are breastfeeding like restricting what you eat too much is not necessarily going to help milk supply either so you know kind of eating to respond to your own hunger and fullness but having your house set up for you know better choices I yeah. suppose makes it easier to choose the right thing Yeah that's very true um, and then go back to your own family so yeah. with the three Yeah You obviously there's a there's a phrase kind of saying you're a different mom to each child. Yes. Are yeah. they very different? Yeah. Well, my daughter just started preschool where my son has just left, and they said Aoife they're like chalk and cheese, and I was like I and I thought really are they because I don't maybe see it as much, but they like Dylan is much quieter, very sensitive little boy. Alva is it like Alva is going even though she put me through hell and she still does. She is going to be an amazing adult, amazing. She's going to rule the world. <laughs> I'll be like broken in the meantime, but she's a real strong personality. And yeah. Zoe is kind of just coming into her personality and realizing she has to shout a lot to get <laughs> heard and attention. So, uh, so yeah. So they are they are very different. I think with Alva, um, in particular, I'm very conscious. You know because she's a real strong personality. She's stepping into her power. I think is what some people say. Um, but I really need to be careful that I'm nurturing her and not breaking her her spirit. You yeah. know. So. She, you know, I think, you know, I feel I'm growing as an adult as my children grow. I'm learning more about myself and I'm, you know, so it's really challenging, but also fun, you know. But yeah, it can be really wearing sometimes. (laughs) And what do you think the greatest challenge is with the three of them? I suppose it's allowing them to be who they are and um, really um, allowing them to be happy and comfortable and confident to express how who they are and not to feel they have to hide, you know. Yeah. Um. I was watching Alice um, when we were on holidays, and it's what I love about watching kids is their complete inhibition. 
Like they, she danced in, a, yeah. in the middle of a restaurant full of people and actually all eyes were on her because mm. everyone was fascinated going, look at her. She doesn't yeah. care that everyone's no, watching. She's having a great time I and know. she danced for about an hour. Yeah. And I was just sitting there and I actually, it was a moment that caught me and I got really teary and my yeah. husband was like, are you okay? And I was like, look at that. Like, look I at know. that complete inhibition. She doesn't yes. care that everyone's watching her. No. And I was like, God, I hope she can keep that for as long mm-hmm. as we can let her have that. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's magical. It is. And I suppose it's to nurture them, isn't it? And to allow them to be who they are and not to feel they have to um, people please or fit in, you know, yeah. to really help them be confident, you know, happy, I suppose, adults, you know, and that starts now, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it is a challenge, isn't it? I think, you know, the responsibility of parenting kind of hits you more and more as they get older. You know, sometimes, like, when you're trying to get pregnant, you're just focusing on getting pregnant. You don't think of all the stuff that's coming down the line. And now I really sometimes think, God, like, I really, you know, I'm responsible for a lot, you know, and for how they're going to be as adults. So, um, you know, really trying to be the adult be the person that you want them to be as adults, I suppose, yeah. is really hard, but really important. Yeah, because yeah, the first year, I mean, that's where my experience obviously is coming from, is mm-hmm. like, you're basically feeding them, changing them and getting them into their into sleep. You yeah. know, that's your routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The personalities are coming out, but they're not really absorbing yeah. anything, no. really. And now you can see, you know, she's 13 months, now you can see the personality coming yeah. out and yeah. they're, they pick up on, on like Everything. tone and language yeah. and yeah. you know so you've, you do I do find myself going okay just let her you know yeah. let her off that's you know she's not you know, no harm she I know I know, I know. You've, you know I do catch myself like you said there that let them be you know and don't kind of yeah I think because you know definitely in my generation it was kind of like be seen and not heard and I just don't think that's actually a very healthy way to raise children I think you know letting them express their own personalities is actually really important and I know I know my mother sometimes finds that challenging but again you know I suppose I'm uh, yeah it's it's just a work in progress isn't it you know but yeah. uh, we were in um, we went to Kennedy Park there a few the last actually August Bank holiday weekend and um we were walking along and it was a beautiful day it ended up in a much nicer day than we expected it was a gorgeous day and Alva looked at my husband and said, Daddy, you're the best daddy in the whole world. And I was like, oh, that's just the sweetest thing, you know, nearly in tears. And then she looked at me and said, Mammy, you try your best. And I swear to God, I looked at my husband, we didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. But, you know, I talked to her a lot about doing your best. And, you know, it may not be the best, but I have to work hard and I do try my best or whatever. And so, like, I never even thought she picked up on that. So for her to say it, really, I think, like hit me that God they hear everything you know everything I do they're mm-hmm. watching and they're learning so I really have to try so hard try my best at you know being yeah, you know the best person I can be I suppose you know and that language of trying your best is creating kind of resilient mm-hmm. children as well that life isn't going to be handed no. to you and there is going to be disappointment um, there is which I think um, it's something that I think that we were kind of taught like our generation was very like always be the best yeah. you know it do was, the best yeah you shouldn't be disappointed in life and, and actually you were set up to kind of be disappointed <laughs> because that's not the reality I know um, 
Yeah, it's funny how thing that that was I think called this the self esteem era or something. Okay. Um, yeah. So that it's coming out of that now into creating more resilience mm-hmm. and understanding your emotion and being comfortable with your emotions. Yeah, yeah. And I I suppose I really want the kids to understand that they have to work hard to get a result. You know, and you may not even get the result you want when you work hard, but it's still you know that work ethic I suppose is something that's really important to me and. Um, I've maybe seen in my clinic and through other things I do there's definitely a generation of people that don't understand that yeah. and so that really bothered me so I, it's probably one of the things I'm really kind of conscious at helping, create, helping them to create a good work ethic for themselves I suppose you know even though they're only <laughs> they're so young but you have to start young don't oh, you? Oh you do because I think if you introduce it later it's going to be coming out of nowhere Yeah, like you have an immense work ethic Oh God I don't know do I? Yeah <laughs> I'm busy, but yeah, I don't know. I enjoy, I really enjoy what I do, I suppose, you know. Yeah, um, yeah and work is busy, but that's, you know, but I enjoy it though, I have to say. Yeah, and yeah. it's part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, but, you know, maybe part of it is that I'm, I find it hard to say no, you know. Yeah. So maybe that's not such a good thing, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, no, in general, you know, I like what I do and I, uh, I try and work hard. And having three kids, what do you think was, which was the hardest transition for you? Is in one to two. Really? Yeah, horrific. Yeah. Two to three, it was just adding to the chaos that didn't matter. But one to two was challenging. And maybe it was because Alva was maybe like, we had a lot of other stuff going on with her as a baby. But um, it was hard. And like, yeah, it was just, I was so used to just focusing on one baby and keeping him alive and all of a sudden like I didn't know how to juggle it yeah. you know but you definitely get better with the juggle but um, you know I suppose Alva was only two weeks old when I got a call for work and that was difficult trying to go back to work so early but you know when you're self-employed I suppose you just don't really have the luxury of saying no you know Yeah and there is a pressure as well on parents to kind of go back to work and then be on mm-hmm. 100% at mm-hmm. work which mm-hmm. is really hard because your mind isn't 100% always there yeah. it can't be no no it is I um, I remember on Dylan I uh, work with a company in Cork um, uh, a few days a week and I remember on Dylan the day I was due to go back I just I couldn't go back I actually, I just couldn't have to ring my boss and say, I'm really sorry, I can't come in today. And my husband was like, you know, we don't need the money for this. If you don't need, if you don't want to go back, we don't have to. But like, I really, really struggled with going back after Dylan. And actually maybe with Alva the same, but I, I kind of was a bit easier myself. I kind of started working at home first before I yeah. threw myself in. But um, yeah, and, and I suppose, um, you know, again, they were young enough when I was going back to do these things. So maybe I was expecting too much of myself. But again, yeah. when you're self-employed, I didn't have the luxury of staying out for a year. You yeah. know, I just did that just wasn't an option. So, you know. Yeah. I breaks. mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is it is so hard. And trying to find, you know, or, or even listening to people talk and say, um, you know, there's a, a girl, a lovely mum, who I've interviewed on this before, Life of Tiny Humans, Emma O'Leary, has just handed in her notice to work. Yeah. Purely because of it just it's very infl- they just there was no flexibility, mm. and you you I find you really need that, and you need to kind of yeah. have a manager that you know yeah understands where mm-hmm. you are in your mm-hmm. life yeah because if you get a phone call to collect your kids you gotta go I know and like I suppose there I mean there are positives for working for myself then as well you know I don't have to deal yeah. with that but um you know if I have a full clinic though someone else actually has to go because I can't cancel 20 people Yeah. you know but um, unless now it was obviously something very important but I, I suppose you know I'm so lucky in that both myself and my husband are from Waterford our parents are like within 5 and 10 minutes of it, of where we live 
and all very healthy and all retired and all in a position to support because I would not be able to do what I do without my husband, my parents-in-law and my own parents. Like, I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Like today... Um, where is everybody you know like yeah. every, you know some people are with my parents other uh, Dylan I think is with my parents-in-law Zoe's with the childminder you know it's like I keep saying they're farmed out somewhere you know but I have a calendar I have a Google calendar and I swear nobody else looks at it only me but I'm trying to like fit where everything goes and who picks up and you know so it is it's a juggle though there's no such thing as balance it is a juggle and yeah. it's accepting the juggle Yeah, I think is part of it so that's your village that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so lucky. Like, we really are really, really lucky. Um, I'm really grateful to have, like, my parents still so healthy and great parents-in-law that are willing and interested to look after them at any drop of the hat. And we have a wonderful childminder as well who just, you know, if I rang on her Sunday and asked her to take the kids, she'd probably say yes. You know, like, she's yeah. really great. So, and obviously my husband is, you know, in it with me, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, it. you know, I'm keeping them all alive and fed, so... Success. <laughs> Sometimes I often say to myself, "What does success look like to you, Pamela? Like, what do you want?" Yeah. this And you have to rein yourself in. Yeah. Into the, the day, like, what I kept saying to myself during my pregnancy was, "Healthy baby." Mm-hmm. That was what success was. Um, I did often ask for blonde hair. That was <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got it. Um, <laughs> But even now, I'm like, what is success? Like, why are you putting so much pressure on a situation? Mm. Like, she's happy, she's healthy. Yeah. And, you know, that's okay. I know. And do you not think sometimes it's the expectations are not about you? They're about others almost. Oh, completely. And so, like, that's it. Like, I also do sometimes say, what am I doing here? Like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, if she wants to wear those shoes with that, you know, tracks it or whatever. It's okay. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And and that's only a silly little example. But I think sometimes the pressure comes from meeting others' expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think trying to rein it in and say, well, what's important to me? What's important to my family? And I think, you know, I think when you do that, it makes everything so much simpler. Like, it makes it easier for me to say no to work when I bring it in there. Yeah. Rather than thinking, oh my God, does that mean I'm never going to get work again? What will they think if I say no to this? All that, cr- like, it's to try and bring it in. And, you know, that, that's a challenge every day. You know, like, I mean, I struggle probably every day with parenting. It's not easy, you know. Yeah. And there are hard decisions and choices to make. And I mess up so much. Like, I'm not like I'm not here to say I'm a perfect parent like I make so many mistakes but you know you just have to pull your socks up and you know try and do it better the next day you yeah. know that's all you can do isn't it you know yeah um, a friend of mine is pregnant at the moment and I said to her I said look I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not mm. I was like at the end of the day your role is to keep another you've three mm. other humans alive yeah there's nothing yeah. easy about that I know no, there absolutely isn't, you no. know, but yeah. But you can enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? There's an enjoyment in it, but it's not easy. No, and it's not. And yeah, no, I absolutely like the, they're so much fun together. But sometimes, you know, you can get so busy, you miss the fun, you miss the little moments, you know. So I really I, I'm trying to be more like just to notice the little moments rather than the big days, you know, yeah. and trying to pay attention to that. Because I think sometimes, you know, I get in from work like today, I'll be, you know, hitting the road, getting home. Like I'll get back to Waterford at probably five to six to my childminder's house to pick up Zoe. Um, I'll get home by maybe 20 past six. You know, where is everyone? Sit down, eat the dinner. Like there's a lot of 
agenda you know there's a lot of a timetable and sometimes yeah. I get you can get so caught up with keeping the house you know some way together keeping the washing done you know where everyone's clothes you know and all of that side of things yeah. that you forget to enjoy the little moments so I think that's what I every day try and remind myself to do Oh yeah absolutely and I often find that the last maybe two weeks I have found that it's just we've come back from holidays and it's hectic mm. like I have not caught up on as you would have when you came back and it was just the two of you yeah I know and so yeah like that you're in from work is everybody fed get the wash it's all jobs yes. it's all like and you're on the clock all the time yeah. and even at the weekends you're still on the go mm. and I could start a conversation with Ben and like this morning I half started what I, something I wanted to tell him a story I wanted to tell him and I didn't have time to finish it so then I was driving and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go hands free and I'll give him a call. Yeah. And actually that chat that we have on the phone, because there's nobody there to interrupt us. It's yeah. actually lovely. I know. And you're like, oh, OK, now we're all, you know, you get it's, to hear a couple of stories yeah. from what's going on during the week. It's just kind of adapting though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I think that's maybe, you know, the thing to learn with each child that there's a new way you have to adapt and a new juggle, you know? Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. It's kind of the whole thing. Like, I can't even believe I have three children sometimes. You know? And yeah, <laughs> leading from that, is having three kids what you thought it would be? You know what? I actually didn't really have any expectations, I suppose, I have to say. I just wanted the kids to have someone to maybe play, you know, to have each other. You yeah, know what I mean? And that's a dynamic. Yeah, and they, like Alvin Dylan particularly, because they're only 17 months apart, you know, really kill each other sometimes, but also, you know, enjoy each other's company and play. And, you know, it's cute when you hear them laughing and Zoe's just starting to kind of get into things now, you know. But um, no, I didn't actually really have any expectations. You know what? Expe- expectations are my downfall. Because I have this expectation, it never meets it, and then I'm disappointed. So I try and manage my expectations, or sometimes have none at all. You know, yeah. you're you're right because I do think that, especially when you're pregnant, you can't imagine what life will be like. You can you can think of it, yeah. But versus reality, it's very much like Instagram versus reality. Like it's oh, not what you expect. No, it's not at all. Like you can't imagine the incessant nature of you know, what's needed of you, isn't it? It's yeah. just, you know, they're all the time. And that's like, you know, because before, when you have no babies, it's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, like you can just kind of do what you want, can't yeah. you, all of the time, all you the know, time. so. Even walking out the door with just your own handbag. Oh my God, I know. I went on holidays with uh, two of my college friends last year. Uh, was it last year? Uh, oh no, God. Anyway, it was probably three years ago now coming this summer. Um, but it was after, it was before I, had, I was pregnant with Zoe and the three of us were, oh, my myself and my two friends, and we used to walk out the apartment going, we can just walk out. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. We don't have to figure out where everyone is and get everyone to come with you. And yeah, so that is a nice feeling. And it's nice, I think, still to try and get a little bit of that if you can, you know, yeah. to get a break from being a mom all the time, you know. Yeah. So you've talked about that there isn't really balance, but there's juggle. Yeah. So for yourself, is getting back to running, you finding time for your own self-care? Um, yeah, I think that that is a big part of it. And I think, you know, I talked about my Google Calendar that has everything in there. Like there's not always time for me in there. Yeah. And so, you know, I do try and maybe schedule it in there. Sometimes I try and I have 10% happier, you know, the app, no. it's a meditation app. Yeah, and I, I use it every so often. <laughs> but I do, I actually, I do find that whole, like even just taking five minutes of meditation and time to, and breathing 
in the day makes a difference. It actually it changes how I parent. Actually, it really calms me, and I'm I I tend to respond rather than react, and I think okay. that's something that I strive to do. And some weeks I might do it more than others, but I actually find it really is something that's very helpful. Okay, that's a great yeah. tip. Yeah, and actually, what I like about the Ten Percent Happier app is. And I'm not paid by them or anything. Uh, what I like about it is um, they give a kind of info piece first and then they go into the meditation. So I like something to be able to, re- you know, reason this is why it's important, you know. Yeah. So if it's about stress or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah. But um, again, it's trying to schedule that in sometimes can be a challenge as well, you know. Yeah. Um, it's that time that I need to ask you three questions. Oh, God, I forgot this comes. <laughs> OK. What would you tell your pregnant self? <laughs> sleep uh, no. uh, that it's going to be more fun than you think it's a good one and what one product could you not live without so that can be product person place oh. service this is terrible and you know it's so not environmentally friendly but I can't live without baby wipes right now with all the kids <laughs> and I know they're not good for the environment but yeah baby yeah. wipes are important and we use a lot of them I can imagine yeah <laughs> I know Think about your trolley on a Sunday. <laughs> and what has been your magic moment? I think going back to that day when Alva said that little funny thing about me trying my best in um, in Kennedy Park. It was a beautiful day and we had, it was just a lovely moment that we were just all together. So I think I really, uh, it was it was a really good day. And I think Alva saying that really... Um, it just really enforced me how important, you know, what I say and what I do is for the kids. And I suppose it kind of, that day I really appreciated the positive impact I can have on their lives, I guess. Yeah. And, they're and not be scared by it, you know. Yeah. Aoife, thank you so much for coming in. So welcome. It was lovely to chat. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to send me a message, please email forallmankind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. See you on the next episode of the podcast.